when Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian president, president uh, visited China, I, uh, you know, I, I impressed upon you the importance of this visit and how strategic it was, uh, no pun intended, for the two countries to sign this strategic partnership. Uh, for Syria, on the one hand, because Syria needs reconstruction, it needs a strong economic partner to help it rebuild and recover from this war that is, you know, even today claiming lives like we just saw at the military academy in, in Homs. The Chinese also need access to the Mediterranean Sea, uh, as do all the countries in Central Asia uh, and even Iraq and Iran once the New Silk Road emerges. But uh, I want to show you also some, because uh, he sat down Al-Assad and gave an interview with CG to CGTN, and um, I want to show you a couple of clips uh, and the kind of reception that he got. So you guys remember that when they came out, they got the red carpet. Uh, treatment and everything, yeah? There was a parade after this and everything, uh, and the next day you met Xi Jinping. So that's his wife, who, uh, she's British. And he's, they're, they're there with their children also, right? And just sorry, sorry to pause it, but the person who who who, uh, who posted this, um, a who's a journalist, he said that Assad's son can speak Mandarin Chinese. I mean, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, man. You know, I speak four languages: uh, English, uh, French, German, and Arabic. I should have uh, swapped German for Chinese, no question. <laughs> I I knew Chinese is going to be one of the most important languages in the future, just by virtue of it being a UN language already, along with Spanish as well, uh, and, and Russian and English and uh, Arabic, but, um, and French. But I didn't expect it to, you know, to take, uh, to take on so quickly and, and for China to, you know, overtake the US so quickly and BRICS to emerge so quickly. It's, you know, it's the only downside to all of this. I didn't learn Mandarin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, so his wife is British, originally Syrian, and because she she committed the crime of marrying the Syrian president, they wanted to withdraw her citizenship, or they were discussing it or some crap like that. You know, again, I told you this this nationality and borders bill is going to be used for shit like this, um, and uh, yeah, so um, I. I think her father was also a famous doctor in Downing Street. Yeah, he was a surgeon. Uh, and uh, Bashal Assad is actually an eye doctor, right? So it's a family of doctors. Um, in any case, I was discussing this with Danny Haifong uh, just the other day about how much fangirling there is in China uh, over Esmail Assad, uh, his wife, and, and Assad himself, actually. You know, it kind of shows you the difference in, in you know, the culture just because they're not 
brainwashed and propagandized in China the same way that we are in the West uh, by our media, right? So, like here, you're supposed to actually hate China, even though if you've never been there and you can't speak the language and you don't even you don't know anyone from there. And same thing with Syria and Cuba. You're supposed to just hate like billions, literally billions of people because you you know CNN told you that's how it is. They deserve to suffer. You know th this is sick. You can see you can see the difference, honestly. D you know. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so let me play you a clip. This is um, yeah, from uh, CGTN, and let's see what he had to say. الشمالية الشرقية من سوريا التي يحتلها الإرهابيون هي نفسها التي يشرف عليها الأمريكي. فإذا القضية ليست فقط سرقة سرقة، وإنما القضية هي شراكة مع الإرهابيين. في تقاسم الأرباح وهي مشكلة ثانية أن تكون دولة عظمى تشارك الإرهابيين هذا هو حقيقة الواقع في سوريا لذلك نحن نخسر في تلك المناطق النفط والقمح نحن كنا دولة نصدر القمح لا يوجد لدينا إلا القليل من القمح لا يوجد لدينا كهرباء كيف يمكن يكون هناك حياة من دون كهرباء طبعا لدينا أقل بكثير من الحد الأدنى للحياة ولكن هذا لا يكفي بشار الأسد has obviously been watching my channel because he uh, said all the points that I make. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, it's sad, you know, especially about the wheat. Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, in 2019, 2020, they were even setting the wheat on fire. You had, like, you know, just, like, fields and fields being set on fire. And um, once again, ask, always ask yourself, who benefits from this, right? Um, the thing is that when... It, it was already known back then that it was the United States that was actually burning these fields. And people were saying, no, this is propaganda from Iran and propaganda from uh, Bashar al-Assad. And lo and behold, uh, the Americans showed their hand and then moved in and took one third of Syria where all the wheat is grown and all the oil fields are located. So, uh, you know, whether you're burning it or you're preventing people from eating it, is this, it the result is exactly the same literally the same whether you steal the oil or you're you just sit on top of the oil fields and and prevent the government from from extracting it and giving the revenue and the wealth of the country to the people is the same thing actually obviously the stealing it and selling it off is worse but you understand my point it's that at the end of the day the the idea the united states is not you know uh, trying to make a, a, you know 50 trillion from the oil in syria it's not it's not about the quantity, it, it's about how much it matters to the Syrians. And it matters a lot because it, it makes up one quarter of government revenue. One quarter. That's how much. Even though Syria is not a major oil exporter, it just it means so much for the country and for the people. The United States is like, okay, we're going to take this and we're going to take the food and we're going to make sure no one works with you and we're going to isolate you and all these things. And, um, you know, when he says here that um, the United States... Uh, it's not just a problem of theft. Of theft. Um, he says that, you know, uh, the global superpower is colluding with terror terrorists. And I was kind of just laughing to myself. I was like, yeah, this is not the first time. <laughs> look at Afghanistan and um, look at the collusion with Nazis in Ukraine. Like, to the point that, it, you know, like we were saying earlier, they're, they're uh, hailing, no pun intended, <laughs> they're hailing a piece of shit Nazi in the Canadian Parliament. And the only reason the Speaker resigned is after 
people, you know, you know, the media said nothing. Associated Press, Reuters said nothing. It's people on Twitter. It's citizen journalists, independent journalists who called this out, who said, hold on. What, he did what in World War II? He fought against who? Oh, oh, you mean a Nazi. And only then the media, like a day later, had to report on it. And only then that that uh, speaker had to resign. So you, you see, they're like openly working with terrorists, with Nazis, and uh, all for the sake of their geopolitical games. You know, let me show you another clip. <laughs> ومع ذلك عندما تتحدث عن الشراكة فهي تتحدث عن مبدأ جديد لا تتحدث عن الهيمنة ما ينقصنا نحن كدول في مختلف دول العالم ليس فقط في سوريا ولكن خاصة الدول الأصغر تحتاج لهذه الشراكة وتحتاج لهذا الدور والصين تقوم بهذا الدور لأن الصين وقفت مع سوريا سياسيا من خلال دورها في مجلس الأمن وفي عدد من المحافل الدولية بالإضافة للمواقف السياسية الواضحة البعيدة عن المجاملات هذا الجانب السياسي هو أساسا متطور ولكن من الطبيعي أن يكون هناك حوار أوسع في هذه الظروف التي يمر بها العالم هناك جانب الاقتصادي جانب التنمية بالنسبة لنا في سوريا يعنينا كثيرا لأن سوريا الآن معرضة لحصار اقتصادي سيء وقاسي وخطير من الغرب يهدف لتجويع الشعب السوري once again, I, I, I can only say that this guy's been watching my channel too much. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, this is simply the truth. It, this is the truth. And I've, I've said these things many times to you guys because uh, whether we're talking about Syria or Cuba or Venezuela, you know, the sanctions are going to hurt people very, very much. Um, and we are at a, a very uh, important point in history where uh, the sanctioned countries have become the majority. And they've had enough, and now they're building their own world. Uh, not out of, uh, you know, uh, spite or out of, you know, a desire to exclude the West. On the contrary, the West is welcome to join in if the United States will let uh, the, the, the rest of Western Europe but, um, and Australia. But, you know, the global South is and how it always has been the majority. And it's actually thanks to economic powerhouses like China or uh, if we're going to talk about the Middle East, a regional uh, power like Iran that, um, you know, has helped many people stand up and defend themselves and like genuinely just for the sake of them defending themselves against Israel, against the United States, against this aggression, against, um, uh, you know, like in Yemen, against the United States and Saudi Arabia. Uh, these countries and Russia have been crucial. So Iran, China, Russia, they've been crucial in, you know, lifting up other countries that have been just trampled on by the West in, a, you know, 50 million ways. So there's nothing malicious about that or malign uh, or, uh, you know, devious. It's, it's just good. Sometimes there are good things. That's it. And, you know, in the case of China, it's not just uh, going to build infrastructure and, and help rebuild Syria, but as I mentioned before, the access to the Mediterranean Sea is going to be beneficial for everybody, right? It's not just like, oh, uh, like, you know, again, the interpretation, the so-called analysis that they had on the Israeli uh, channel, which I told you guys, but I'm going to repeat it again because it's so funny. They said that China invited al-Assad because China is trying to court the global south, right? Like curry favor with them. 
as if China is not the global South itself already, you know. But China, they said China is trying to court the global South and um, and just like you know check boxes. And so Syria just happened to be one of the boxes. Like, what what is this garbage analysis from from a child? No, literally no brains, no, nothing. You you would you would think the Israelis would know what's up because they're. I can tell you the government know what they know what's happening and they're very displeased. And that's why Netanyahu went to the UN <laughs> with a stupid red marker and said, "We are going to build a trade route here." Yeah, okay. I'd like to see you try. So in any case, um, you know th this is going to be beneficial for for uh, the entire global south um, and. Uh, the interview is very long, but I wanted to show you these these points. There's a reason, by the way, there's, there, just in case it wasn't clear, but there's a reason that Bashar al-Assad visited only three, um, so the only three Arab countries um, uh, or non-Arab countries that he visited were China, Russia, and uh, Iran. There's a reason for that. That's because they uh, play an important role in the global south and played a, an important role to help Syria. And he mentioned the UN Security Council, which I told you as well, where China pr uh, tried to protect Syria using its veto power at the, uh, at the UN. So, uh, you know, it's... Um, I mean, me personally, I don't think anyone should have permanent, a permanent seat uh, and, you know, uh, uh, veto power in this, in this form. Uh, even if it's China, they, the UN made a mistake by allowing this to happen where you have five countries that, you know, their, their voice counts more than everybody else's. It undermines the entire purpose of the UN. Nevertheless, when it could, um, China helped Syria and defended it and used that mechanism, and as did Russia, by the way. In any case, there you go. Uh, watch the full interview if you can, and um, look at the difference, right? Like, uh, if the, they would interview, as said, on... I don't know, PBS or something, they would go to his house, to the palace, or, you know, the presidential palace, or somewhere in Damascus, and then, like, say, like, is it true that you dropped a, a barrel full of chlorine on a kindergarten and then laughed while burning a puppy? You know, they have no shame, and then they go home to Biden, who's, who is, like, an actual war criminal, uh, who, you know, you, you can go watch videos of him, like, not even in the 2000s, already in the 90s, he's, like, dying just to bomb Iraqis, you know, and they'll, and then the, when they interview him, they'll tuck their tail between their legs, and, like, you know, they'll throw him softballs, because he can barely even think at this point. Anyway. <laughs>